Hi. Hi. Uh, I'm Evan. I'm Addy. And you're listening to the Speaking English podcast. Today we have episode 22 and the exciting conclusion of Challenge Month. It's been a great month. I, yeah, I agree. Um, so we've been watching a whole lot of movies over the course of Challenge Month. And uh, we're not doing that today. We're taking this episode to kind of just chill out, answer some questions, and just talk a bit about, you know, everything. And have fun. And have a great time. And I got to say, it comes at a good time just because the start of this semester, I just finished the first week of my classes and it's I need I need a fun break already. <laughs> I really agree. Um, so yeah, how's your week been? My week has been pretty tough. Um, even though I graduated, I'm taking two stats classes this semester while I work. Um, and it's hard. It's already really hard. Gotcha. So I'm just trying to figure that out. But yeah, it was kind of a long week. What about you? Yeah, there's been a lot going on. You know, this semester is kind of crazy for me um, because, like, I'm taking a lot of, like, film production classes um, that need, like, in-person stuff. So everyone is kind of assuming the campus is going to shut down at some point. Yeah. So it's going to be very front-loaded with stuff. So it's, like, just the first week, but I've already had to do so much stuff, and it's going to just keep going. That makes sense, but... That is very rough. It's a tough time. But uh, two exciting things that happened this week that I want to talk about. My favorite soccer team or football team, if you live anywhere else in the world, um, Bayern Munich won the kind of the highest trophy in Europe. Um, that was this past Sunday. So that's been very exciting. And I have to shout them out because <laughs> a huge deal. They won the treble, which is like, both of the German competitions and then all of Europe. So that's been incredibly hype. Um, awesome. So like, I don't really have a little list, but uh, just for anyone who wants to get into um, soccer, football, uh, European football, um, there's a couple of shows that are pretty accessible um, that you should check out. It's called, there's this one called Sunderland Till I Die, which is on Netflix, which I think actually now that I'm talking about it, I remember I mentioned it on like one of the earliest episodes when I like watched it. Um, so that's really interesting because it's a team in a lower division in England um, and just getting to see like, the whole culture around it there is super interesting. And I think it's really that way kind of across all of Europe, not just England. Um, and the other one is hasn't come out yet. It's coming out on the 31st of August, and I'm really excited about it. But it's another documentary, and it's about my one of my other favorite teams, Tottenham Hotspur. And they did they had a documentary about their whole season this year, um, and that's coming out on Amazon Prime. And I'm really excited to watch it. Very nice. Yeah, and then. The other big thing that happened this week, it happened today, actually, is I finally finished uh, Avatar The Last Airbender TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited about that. I know, so me too. It, it was uh, like the second half of the last season 
I kind of got the hype for it. <laughs> because before I was like, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. But uh, but yeah, no, just the whole like thing to the end was it all came together very nice. I know, it's so spectacular. And do you agree now, having watched the whole show, that um, your top most related two character is Ira? Yeah, that's so cool. That's like, <laughs> makes me proud, I guess. Right? Because he's so one of the better characters. Yeah. Say again? That's like the best character. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Like such a compliment to be told that you're like Iroh. I agree. I'm buzzing about it. Mm-hmm. It's cool. I like how he showed up at the end. I didn't know if he was going to ever show back up again. But Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, if you want to watch a TV show on Netflix, I would say check out Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have been wanting to watch that. Yeah. Same time. Especially because you like Mulholland Drive so much. Yeah. There's <laughs> also David Lynch. Um, I just finished watching the show Ozark. Okay. I, I would highly recommend that, especially since you liked Breaking Bad so much. Yeah. It's like of a similar vein, and it was so awesome. It was so fun to watch. Cool. Yeah. I'm, I might check that out eventually. I just don't watch a lot of TV shows, but that's kind of been on the radar since it came out. Because it has, like, what, two seasons now or three now? Gotcha. And I feel like they must be making a fourth with the way that season three ended, but I haven't really heard any updates about it. I assume that it's just, like, pushed because of COVID and everything. Yeah. That's the thing about, like, long, longer TV shows. I mean, maybe not, not, wait, longer wasn't the right word. Like, more high-quality TV shows, I guess, that are, like, premium, like, not on just, like, network TV or something. I feel like they take a lot longer between seasons. Like you never know. Mm-hmm. Cause I watched this show Peaky Blinders mm-hmm. um, and it's like the next season isn't going to come out until like 2022. And it, the oh, last man. one aired in like 2018 or something. Oh, that's a bummer. It's kind of crazy, but uh, I'm really excited for that because it ended the last season ended on such a cliffhanger. <laughs> so now so I'm just, and I'm just waiting now. Yeah, it's like a long, a long haul for the wait, waiting for the yeah. next one. But nice. Yeah. All right. So I did a Q and A on my Instagram, and compared to last time we did this, a lot more people answered. So uh, let's just run through some of these questions, shall okay. we? We shall. Okay, uh, let's see. The first one, I guess, is kind of directed more towards me. It's just, would you ever make the daily for movies and books hmm. or something similar? And I would say that's kind of what this podcast is. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it doesn't really lend itself to that format. The daily is just fun because, you know, there's so much music out there that it'll always keep going. And like, I just listen to music and I like sharing what I listen to and find that I think others would, but, uh, movies, it's hard just because, you know, you're never going to be able to watch as many movies as you listen to music. Cause it's more of like a active thing, but that's kind of what this podcast is for. I like just cause I did have that urge to like, just talk about the movies I like and mm-hmm. I'm really fulfilled by doing that here in this format. So. Yeah, I feel the same way about the books that I read. For the, like the longest time, I was like, 
I need to like make a book club or something because I need to just get all my thoughts out about these books that I read. So it's so nice to be like, oh my God, I have to talk about this book. And then like, oh, I get to on my podcast. <laughs> so fun. Um, this next one is about soccer. Is <laughs> uh, Will Byron repeat as trouble winners? And it's early in early. I'm just enjoying the win now before thinking about next year, but I think they have a very good shot. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> the next question is a breakdown on why Rango is the best film of all time. <laughs> I've been waiting for this. <laughs> <laughs> so I know we kind of joke about Rango a lot. Um, and while I wouldn't say it's one of the best movies ever made, I think it is incredibly good and incredibly underrated. Um, especially when it comes to like animation, um, yeah. often overlooked, but I think it is incredible. Yeah, I completely agree. It just does not get the recognition that it deserves. Even when it first came out, I feel like it didn't get, it wasn't talked about as much as it just should be because it was awesome. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's very unique, I guess, among everything else. Uh, I think I rewatched it like last summer, maybe. I mean, or maybe it was, I don't know, sometime, sometime less than a year ago, I think. Um, and there's like a lot of stuff in it that reminded me of the Coen brothers, actually. Like oh, really? the, the very beginning and the very end are like incredibly good, best, best stuff ever. <laughs> um, and like, there's like some sequences that are just like, wow, I, I'm so glad that they thought of doing it this way. Mm-hmm. um so if you haven't seen rango yeah very special very original but still like all the heartwarming fun of a kid's cartoon yep i would agree um it's up there with another r animated movie ratatouille <laughs> which is very different but uh i just kind of grouped them together because they both start with like ra like you could say rah, and then you could go with either one. Which one are you talking about? Um, doesn't mean quite as much to me as Ratatouille does, but it's up there. Yeah. More more people just need to watch and talk about Ringo. True. Um, next question's on the little more serious side, um, and it's phrased in a couple of different ways. So maybe let's address both of them. But it's kind of which group of people do you believe is most underrepresented and then most misrepresented in media today? They ask the same question, just worded differently. Um, and I just want to say that like misrepresented is hard for at least me to answer just cause I, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, I think kind of the base of the, of the problem is that not having like representation in mainstream media kind of skews the general opinion right and like the two of us only hold so many identities that we're actually able to speak on like i don't think to actually answer who's most misrepresented of all identities of all groups um that just wouldn't be fair of us but i like the question like i appreciate that somebody's really thinking about that yeah Exactly, for sure. Yeah, but I, I don't know how to answer the misrepresented one. As far mm-hmm. as underrepresented, I just want to say that, like, um, at least in film, 
um, from like a filmmaking perspective, there's not a lot of like indigenous Americans, like auteurs or anything. And okay. I, I and, but I don't really, I don't necessarily know how to um, kind of diagnose how to solve the, that. Cause I think with a lot of other minority groups, it's more down to there's quality stuff getting made and it's just the exposure and the accessibility mm-hmm. isn't there. But like, I just remember that I went to a screening on campus. Um, I think my freshman year and mm-hmm. it was like someone who it was this, he did a, the, this, I think he called it the signature film or something for the Smithsonian museum of the American Indian. And, um, you know, that was kind of the, it was, it was made by a white dude, of course, but uh, it was like a unique insight, but at the same time, it was also like a kind of a documentary from like 2006 or something just, um, and I just, I kind of wish there was more like, um, you know, narratives, like, I don't know the exact term, but you know, like things that are are fiction and um narrative but Mm -hmm. coming from a position of like knowing what it's like living through these situations i guess or like from this perspective in the book community i don't know if this like extends outside of that but like if an author wrote a fiction piece uh, but it's about somebody who holds an identity that they also hold it's called own voices representation i don't know if it's called that everywhere Okay, cool. Yeah, I've never heard it, heard that <laughs> before, but that's cool. Um, so that's my answer. Do you have any anything else? I would agree with that. I don't know. I'd say in terms of like, uh, I don't really know. It's it's tricky. I really agree with what you said in in like the sense that there's so much being made right now in this like attempt to broaden diversity of media, especially with books, but it's really just a challenge of getting um, recognition. Um, so if you're seeking, I, like I would say any identity that you're trying to learn more about, you can, like you could seek out the literature about that. Um, it's just, it's just so shitty that you really have to take that upon yourself, like as your own homework, because they're just not getting, advertise those kinds of stories are not advertised nearly as much as like traditional narratives I guess um or even like publishing deals like it's hard to get a story written if it's not gonna appeal to the masses you know what I mean so I would say it's really great that people are trying to read and watch more from underrepresented communities um and I like I promise that you can't. I hope that we get to a place where it's not as hard as it is right now to find that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I also think that you know a big part of it is just kind of. Um, it seems like recently there's like more of a push to kind of get these, uh, like underheard groups more mm-hmm. like, um, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of it is kind of just who, and I think it's, it's kind of exciting too, is that it's at a point where like, we're kind of creating the popular canon of this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So at the same time, like it's not necessarily a, uh, um, 
like a responsibility that you have, but I think it's important to note that, you know, you can be part of like being able to highlight mm. ones that you think are like better, like that stand above. Um, and I think that's something that's really interesting and exciting to me is just because, you know, as things come to the forefront, like people, like regular people kind of become part of what makes, you know, these yeah. more visible and relevant in the future. I agree. Your attention and your money is very, very valuable and like where you choose to spend it like counts and, and it matters. So if you're paying attention to demanding and paying for stories that highlight the experience of marginalized groups, people make more of it and it becomes more accessible because of capitalism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Anything else to say about that question? think so but that was a great question yeah um okay next one is if you could only watch grand budapest <laughs> or ratatouille for the rest of your life which one would you choose grand budapest for sure <laughs> no question I think, I think so too i love <laughs> ratatouille it's one of my favorites but ratatouille at least for me is in the group of movies with like maybe eight and a half and mulholland drive where i i watch it when i want to be motivated to like make something like okay like usually when i'm starting a new project i'll watch one of those three um mm -hmm. and it just inspires me but i think grand budapest is one where it's just there's it all like ticks together so well like a nice little watch or something that you can just watch you know any section of it and it like fits in really well with yeah the whole movie. yeah Grand Budapest just has like so many complexities to it that you notice new fun things every time you watch it. And as much as I like Ratatouille, <laughs> I, I don't necessarily feel the same way about that movie. So it just, the the rewatchability of the Grand Budapest Hotel is kind of unparalleled. That's, yeah, I think that's, I think that's what it is at the heart of it. Ratatouille, I think is something that I'll, I watch it when I know what I want to get out of the right. movie that I'm watching. Right. Grand Budapest is like that too, but it also has the capability to surprise me with something a little new every time I watch it that I didn't Actually, see before. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting to like classify movies that you love into like different little categories. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's like something that I'm starting to do more as I watch more stuff is like, as like whenever I watch a movie for the second time, because I think mm -hmm. like the first two viewings are kind of after the first two, you kind of know how you feel about the movie. Yeah. It's so, like all the movies that I've seen more than once, I kind of like to know exactly how I feel about them. And yeah, makes sense. That's very fun. So I've been rewatching a lot of stuff recently, actually. But nice. You can talk about that next week in the wrap up. Yep. Yeah, I think I think I have a lot of fun stuff to talk about in the wrap up. Me we'll too. See. I think it's going to be a good one. Um, okay, so the last question on Instagram is, thoughts on Shrek 5? <laughs> is there a Shrek 5? There's going to be. Oh, my God. I didn't even know. Yeah. My first time hearing that news. Yeah. It's like no one actually knows. I don't think it's very, um, like, I don't, they're not in production or anything yet, even though they announced it in, like, last year or the year before or something. I don't, wow. I don't know how I feel about it. 
this is my live authentic reaction to uh-huh. <laughs> the first time i'm excited <laughs> that sounds fun there you go I don't, it might not actually happen either but they're planning it i don't know how i feel about it it'll be fun i'll watch it we'll see yeah Shrek is a franchise that at this point I'm like do whatever you want I yeah. <laughs> have no room to critique you <laughs> anything you want is cool with me yeah the first two Shreks will always be and oh, they're yeah. on tier though for sure for sure Shrek which do you think is better Shrek 1 or Shrek 2 or Shrek or Shrek 2 really mm-hmm. I like Shrek 2 better <laughs> Shrek 1 is just I that was like a game changer uh, that had not been done before it was so special shrek 2 also good but it was just like it's like the shock factor of shrek 1 <laughs> yeah i guess i can't really speak to when they came out i was either yeah, was not al- either not alive or quite young <laughs> um okay so that's all the instagram questions that was <laughs> that was a good turnout i think let's do that again sometime yeah because the first time i did the instagram question there's like one or two but uh mm-hmm. the people are getting more engaged <laughs> even if like most of them probably don't listen to it but that's all good <laughs> questions are questions um so for the rest of questions i kind of just looked i've been looking over the uh bingo list bingo board um and kind of picking out some of the better ones and i'll try to refresh the bingo board at some point because i haven't done that in a while um so i'm just kind of gonna go down and pick out all the good ones and see um so this first one is best year for movies in the 2010s um i think it's 2019 for sure yeah but uh after that which one like, yeah i was gonna say saying 2019 almost feels like a cop-out answer because i just feel like it's so like widely regarded yeah that. but it i mean it really is it, it is and i agree it is and i agree for sure but uh besides 2019 what do you think i have no idea i would have to look at a list okay movies that came out but what do you think it is i would argue for 2014 okay First of all, the Grand Budapest Hotel. I just think I just think the be- the best movies of 2014 are a lot better than the best movies of most of the other years of the 2010s. Coming out in 2014, you have Grand Budapest Hotel, Birdman, Whiplash, Nightcrawler, um, Boyhood, which I didn't think was that good. It was it was it was um, kind of an event thing. The movie mm-hmm. itself, I don't know how I feel about. Um, as well as like smaller, just kind of random stuff. Um, like Paddington, which I haven't seen, but uh, I've heard good things. Chef came out in 2014. Chef, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's when I was looking at it last. And then I watched Chef. <laughs> and... Uh, also, what we do in the shadows came out in 2014. I don't know if you've seen oh, that. Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a lot of like littler stuff like that that I think. Nice. It's great. Also coming out in 2014 is The Raid 2. 
Okay. Which I've talked about a lot. I mean, maybe not quite on the podcast, but The Raid and The Raid 2 are my favorite action movies. Um, I like the first one a little bit better, but The Raid 2 is um, a lot bigger and like higher production value. And I think super cool. And Everyone should watch it because... I actually saw it before the first one. You don't really need to see one before the other to kind of get it. Um, nice. It's good to know. So, yeah. All right. Well, I'll agree that 2014 was a very good year. 2019 was the best. And a year that was not good was 2017. That's what I just learned through very quickly looking at the internet. 2018? pretty good i must say i agree yeah i yeah i don't know how i feel about 2017 either i really liked well there's i didn't have any like 10 out of 10 movies from 2017 yeah yeah i really liked ladybird and i really liked blade yeah. runner and i really liked ladybird coco like, oh oh i love coco <laughs> those are all i think those are like the three nines that i had from 2017 yeah Coco and Ladybird both I really liked, but overall that year, I remember the Oscars that year and just being a little like, meh, whatever. Yeah, I agree. 2018 was weird because there was a lot of good stuff coming out, but then Green Book won Best Picture. It's <laughs> so funny. What a weird time. Um, yeah, I also would actually, I was going to say 2011. But uh, besides Rango, what really came out of 2011? <laughs> um, and Drive, of course. Of course. Because I was thinking Drive, because that's one of my favorite movies. But uh, yeah. All right. Guess what the next question is? Best movies from the decade before that one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your answer? 2007 for sure and why um just take a look through okay <laughs> kind of the same reason for for um 2014 which is also really exciting because that means every seven years and uh and i feel like that might come true for 2021 because i feel like a lot of the movies that were going to come out this year are kind of backtracked to then yeah a couple movies that i had predicted would become my favorites of all time got pushed uh specifically which ones um specifically the french dispatch uh, although i think that that might come out this year still i don't i don't really know it keeps getting pushed further and further yeah we'll see but i'm looking at 20 2007 and juno came out that year juno's one of my favorites of all time Juno and Superbad both came out that year. Really? Which I think is kind of crazy. But also, like, two of my, f like, top 10 or top 20 or something favorite movies came out in 2007, No Country for Old Men and, I was gonna say that one. and Ratatouille. <laughs> and uh, also, like, Hot Fuzz, which is probably, like, my, my top 50 or so. Oh, my gosh, Across the Universe. I love that there you movie. Go. Yeah. Oh, oh, and also, also, I think Wes Anderson's most underrated movie, and one of my, and my probably probably my second favorite Wes Anderson. Darjeeling. The Darjeeling Limited. Yeah. Nice. I actually haven't seen that one yet. One of my most embarrassing secrets that I've never seen. 
You got to watch it. I know, I really do. That was half of my first ever Criterion like Blu-ray purchase, even though I got it on DVD. Nice. Because I didn't know at the time. I didn't know that I was a Blu-ray elitist when I first bought it. (laughs) The Bridge to Terabithia came out this year. That's probably the only movie on this list that I actually watched in the year 2007. There you go. It was fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, also coming out in 2007... Hot Rod. My favorite movie <laughs> ever. 2007 was so good for comedies. Holy shit. Oh. Juno, Super Bad, Hot Rod, Hot Fuzz. I mean, that's, that's everything to me, practically. Yeah. yeah. So uh, also the B movie came out in 2007. Oh, a classic. But yeah, 2007 is definitely my answer for this one. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to agree. Cool. Hot Rod and Across the Universe and Juno. Those are three of my top 10. There you go. 2007 is just a magical year. Apparently. I wish I had enjoyed it more. Well, (laughs) (laughs) you don't know what you got until it's gone, (laughs) until it's passed you by. (laughs) Um, Old books you love slash oldest book. That's one of your favorites. Mm-hmm. I do like to read the classics. Let's say I have quite a few old books that I really gotcha. Like. But which one is my favorite? Or which is the oldest that's top tier? Which is the oldest? I know the one that-, that came to mind immediately was Hamlet, which is a Shakespeare play that I loved. That gotcha. Be- I don't know. Gotcha. I want to like. I want to be that guy and say the Odyssey. Oh, um, I love the Odyssey. Because that's really yeah. old. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if it's I don't know if it's like the top tier for me though, but Oh, it's so awesome. Have I've you read re- that too? No, I haven't actually. So good. But oh, I've awesome. read the Odyssey three times, all three for schools of different <laughs> kinds. That's awesome. It's so freaking good. Odysseus is my like forever crush. <laughs> Nice. Odysseus, I think, is the perfect man. (laughs) (laughs) The cunning hero. I love that guy. That's cool. Yeah, he does cheat on his wife a lot, though. You know, okay. It's it's complicated, though. (laughs) He's lost for many years. Um, I really like the Divine Comedy. Oh, gotcha. Old, but really, the whole concept that this guy <laughs> Dante just like just came up with the most like intricate layered version of hell oh, that is so cool. Dante's I like Dante anymore. Yeah, I read the Inferno, but not the other two. Um, Inferno's the best. The other two are like take it or leave it, but Inferno yeah. is like no way did the, one dude come up with this. <laughs> the coolest one thing ever. Yeah. My mom said the same thing, that the that the first one's the best. <laughs> She's taking like three different classes on the Divine Comedy. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Very excellent. Don't sleep on like church groups for just like book, book clubs, I guess. <laughs> that's very true. Keep your eyes open is all I'm saying. <laughs> Um, if not the Odyssey, though, mine is definitely 
uh, Don Quixote. Oh yeah, I love Don Quixote. Um, I think yeah. I think yeah, exactly. I think the um, Inferno is older than it though, because I was like middle ages. Oh, another one from the middle ages that I liked a lot, but I don't know if it's like one of my favorites is the Decameron. Oh, I feel like I had to read that for school. I can't believe it. I read the whole thing and it was really good because it's the one with like a hundred different stories. And oh, I did, oh yeah. Okay. And I did read it for class. Um when we just picked out like some of the more impactful stories. But then over like winter break, I read the whole book and I'm just really proud oh. that I was able to finish it. <laughs> good for you. I gotta look this up real quick so I can remember. Yeah, if you want to borrow it, I still have it, but uh, it's quite long, but I thought it was very fun. I took this class freshman year of college that we did like history of literature and we did the Decameron and we did um, Arabian Nights, which uh, is also a collection of many. So it was really, really interesting, especially like to compare. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's interesting just reading stuff like from before the Renaissance that's like mm-hmm. still like salvaged i guess yeah the same the same thing with like kind of i've been watching and we'll get into this next week but i've been watching a few movies from like the 20s um nice. and it's honestly crazy how like before sound came along and ruined everything it's crazy how like good they got at making silent movies so quickly that's cool because it's like the motion pictures are like invented late 90s like late 1890s Mm. and by the 20s there's like a few directors just like constantly churning out masterpieces that i think still hold up today um if you like approach it with an open mind because i know silent movies are a little weirder to watch um but it's just crazy and it wasn't until like sound came along the whole hollywood studio system kind of got became like an industry and like just pumping out pictures to get asses in the seats and stuff right. <laughs> so i just really love that period of like the 20s yeah and great period for books too gatsby gatsby there you go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know there's something about reading old books that it's there's just there's just this like inherent value of it whether or not you enjoy the experience of reading it because you just get this like history lesson along with the novel which I don't know I just think it's like this added element of like why was this so important at the time and why has this survived so many decades or centuries like it's just it just adds this another layer of things for you to like contemplate while you read that I think makes it fun yeah for sure I completely agree cool um let's see what else we got here uh oh yeah also dealing with books do you have and i guess um the other side of this is movies too they're two questions right right next to each other but overrated classics both books <laughs> and movies <laughs> i don't know this one is hard for me to answer with books specifically because whether or not i actually liked the classic or think it deserves to be a classic i still like to have the the like thoughts of like well, why do other people think that this is a classic, you know? But for classics that I did not enjoy reading, whether or not they hold value, um, I hated reading Wuthering Heights. And I 
don't have that much else to say about it. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I've never read it. Oh, just is such a drag to get through, dude. And it's supposed <laughs> to be this like, I think the value of it is that it was so new for the time. It was just this like dark, brooding, like, like murder filled book. And that's just kind of like Emily Bronte wrote it, whose sister is Charlotte Bronte. And Charlotte Bronte was writing things like Jane Eyre, which is just like this very like innocent, classic, like almost one of the first like feminist stories kind of kind of a deal. So the fact that Charlotte Bronte wrote that, but then Emily Bronte writes this like, like just just like gruesome, dark brooding novel. <laughs> that's kind of what you're supposed to take from it was just the like the nuance of this house, the, this family. But still, it was just so shitty to read for me. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Is that what they call like a, a gothic romance? Yes. Okay. Because yeah. I'm about to read Rebecca. I bought Rebecca. Nice. Because um, I've seen the Hitchcock movie. And uh, in class, when we watched it, he talked a lot about the book. So oh, I nice. got to I gotta check out the book and see if, it, if it's any good. I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I might not get to it for a while because between where I'm at and where that is on my bookshelf, I got David Copperfield, <laughs> which is like 800 pages. <laughs> so we'll see how long it takes to get through that, but I'll read it eventually. I'm excited about it. Um, any overrated classic movies? I don't know. Oh, actually, I do know. My answer is Top Gun. <laughs> I feel so stupid about that, but I remember watching Top Gun in a film as lit class in oh. high school and being like, this is, this is just not a good movie. And then going home and telling my family that and my dad being like, you are the only person on earth who thinks that. You are, dis you are removed <laughs> from this family. <laughs> Get out of my house, psycho. In this family, we do two things. We take our shoes off when we enter the house and we <laughs> worship Top Gun. <laughs> and that's it. What's your answers? Uh, this is a bit tough because it's like, what is a classic? Is. Um, I don't want to say Citizen Kane just because I watched that when I was in high school. Right. I need to rewatch it before I say anything about it. But uh um, I would say it's not a classic, and I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I recently watched American Beauty, and I did not like it, and I was like, people have said so many like good things about it, nice. um, that I was kind of just disappointed. Um, I gotta say, most of the classics are like deserved classics, at least the ones that I've seen, I feel the same. And, uh, and I have a habit of just like... That's why my like rating skew on Letterboxd is like so high up is because I usually when I seek out movies and especially older movies, I usually won't watch them unless I think I'll like them. Mm. Um, so there's just like a few cases where like a movie that I think I'll like and then I just don't kind of like skews my just makes me mad that I didn't like it, <laughs> like betrayed by it. Yeah. Um there's a French movie called Hiroshima Mon Amour that I felt that way about. And I don't think it's necessarily a classic, but like it's one that's pretty well regarded mm -hmm. um, that I might need to rewatch again sometime because it was just one 
that like just in the moment I was like really and I, I, I thought I was gonna like it and then it wasn't at all what I was expecting and I don't know if that was a good thing or not and um yeah I have a few like that but um I think most of the most of the bigger ones oh I have um Tokyo story um Yazuhiro Ozu, Ozu um that's like known as his like best masterpiece movie mm-hmm. um and since the question is overrated classics i would say that one um because I, I still love it like it's still really good but i don't think yeah. it's his best i think some of his others are a lot better okay that makes um, sense. yeah that's a little bit of an unpopular opinion but I need to watch more Ozu so I can defend it better. But yeah, that's <laughs> that's where I stand right now. Nice. I always wonder if I'm like, because I don't, I don't listen to the episodes after I post them, but if I did, like how quickly my opinions have changed already. <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah, that's life. Um, okay, this one's fun. Okay, so when you weren't here, one of the questions was who would play you in a biopic? um so answer that one first and then the next one is kind of also related to that who would play me in a biopic um I would want Julia Louis-Dreyfus to play me in a biopic I think she captures just like this like light-hearted goofy gal that I want to (laughs) be there you go I like it (laughs) I love her so much so cool that's who I would dream of playing me in like an older actually if like the dream would be it's young Julia Louis like Seinfeld era Julia Louis mm, there you go mm-hmm. what's your answer my answer is Patrick Warburton <laughs> nice. that's so funny he dated Julia Louis Dreyfus in Seinfeld did he really yeah cool I've never seen Seinfeld I was like, oh, so good. But yeah, he's one of her boyfriends. He was so good in that show. That's funny. He's like, I just love that he's in everything. I know. You never, you never know when you'll see him next on the TV or anything. I love that answer for you. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, that would be so cool. <laughs> um, so the actual question that's on the board now is uh, who would direct your biopic? Wes. Yeah. Wes for sure there you go that's my vibe i think quirky (laughs) yeah i see it i think that'd be cool i don't have a good answer for this i'm trying to think um i don't know yeah that's hard maybe the con brothers that'd be awesome my life isn't interesting enough for that though Yes, it is. Remember in high school, we used to always tell you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it was. There you go. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I say we'll see, like it might happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just going to play that one by ear. So. Yeah, we'll see if they're available, <laughs> what's going on. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I think Wong Kar Wai would be cool, but he wouldn't really go for that kind of thing. Well, actually, I don't know, because he has a movie coming out about Ip Man, hmm. um, which is a biopic, I guess. But he's a lot more interesting than me. But yeah, I just, 
I always like cite Juan Carwai as like yeah what I want to be like. So if I couldn't direct my own biopic, and I wouldn't because that would be pretend like vain as hell. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> I think you could. I think you could pull it off. <laughs> That's a bad PR. That's not the kind of PR I want. Um, so yeah, that's my answer. Either the Coen Brothers or Wong Kar Wai. Um, okay, let's do like a couple more, maybe. Okay. Um, okay, this one's kind of tough. Like, you might not have like a answer for it right away, but uh, like most interesting or original books or movies, like. Anything that, like, do any stand out to you that are, like, you read or watched it and were like, wow, I haven't seen anything like this before? I feel like I say that a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, I say, like, oh, my God, that was so special. The first thing that came, the first movie that came to mind was The Lighthouse. I remember seeing that movie and just being like, I have no idea what it is about that movie that made it as good as it was. But there was, like, something about it that was just so original never seen any movie like that before and like i've seen that director's other movie also yeah still the lighthouse stood out as just like bizarrely special just just completely original i see i gotcha um so mine would either be probably mulholland drive or Mm -hmm. akira which is i'm gonna probably rewatch sometime this week so hopefully i'll have i'll talk about that nice um oh nashville actually is my answer okay um and i watched that this year so (laughs) i just am constantly being surprised as i catch up on like a lot of movies that i haven't seen yet but nashville just was game-changing for me watching it and i know a lot of like everyone that i've watched it with didn't have that same experience but just it's it's like two and a half, two hours, 40 minutes long. And there's 24 main characters. Um, and like, there's not really one main character. Like, although some get more screen time than others, it's it doesn't center around any one character. It centers around all the connections between them. Yeah, that's really cool. And I guess just the way that it kind of built in, like, over, like built up over the course of the movie mm-hmm. was really like crazy to me. Um, I Nashville, but I would definitely agree with Mahal and Drive being one of those. Like, just the way that the movie changes up on you, I've I've never seen before. Yeah, and I, I guess because I watched I watched that like my first semester of school, film mm-hmm. school, mm-hmm. and I hadn't seen anything by David Lynch before, and I was just like, whoa! And I it was it was whoa. too much for me. <laughs> whoa, <laughs> dude. <laughs> That's so funny. And I didn't like it. I mean, I I didn't dislike it, but it, it it was too much for me at first. I had to adjust to it and then appreciate it more when I watched it again. Right. An honorable mention for this question would actually be Still Walking. Um, that wasn't as profound, and I watched it, like, very recently for the first time. Mm-hmm. But I was just surprised at, like, how Corrieta was able to make that so engaging, like, that mm-hmm. subject matter and that just so engaging and watchable and like i'd also put rango up there (laughs) rango of course very special 
Rango and Shrek both kind of changed the way of like what a kid's animated movie could do. <laughs> I would I say, honestly. I mean, it's just true. <laughs> it's just a fact. Yeah, it happens. Um, books? Did you have an answer for... For books? Um, let me think. I don't know. I think it was cool reading Kafka because I started reading a lot of Kafka stuff, notably his yeah. short stories. Um, kind of like last summer. Yeah. Um, and that was pretty game changing just because my favorite Kafka short story is like less than a page long or something. Okay. And I think, I think I got the feeling that a lot of people get when they read poetry, but I never really got like super life-changing moments from any poetry, but it's like, you just read it over and over again and just, cause it's like so short, but there's like so much there. Mm-hmm. Um, the short story is called Before the Law, I think is the exact wording on it, but, okay. and it takes all of two minutes to read, Nice, <laughs> but it could get you thinking for years. Um, so I think, I think that over any novel or like full length book, nonfiction mm-hmm. book that comes to mind. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I'm having a kind of a hard time with this one because it's almost like I will read something that's new to me for the first time and be like, oh my God, this is groundbreaking. But then like I'll I'll like seek out more books like that and there always is more books like that. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the example I'm thinking of um, is Love Medicine, which I read in high school which at the time, that's one of my favorite books of all time still. I love it a lot. And at the time that I read it, I had never read a book that covers so many characters the way that it does over so many generations. And I thought that that, I was like, oh my God, this has never been done before. This, just the like reach of this novel, like the amount of people that it covers and their dynamics is so unique. And um, that's not necessarily the case. There's a lot of family dramas that have that same kind of structure, but at the time it really like blew me away. Yeah. I think that's valid just because, you know, everything that's been done ever, it's mm-hmm. like anyone who hasn't experienced it yet has no idea that it exists. Yeah. So I think the discovery of it is just as meaningful for any one person as like the creation. Yeah. Of yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting i'm taking when i'm like i'm doing an upper level humanities class this semester on dadaism Mm -hmm. and we haven't really gotten into it too much yet but it's wild already nice so yeah that's exciting maybe i'll have a better answer after reading some (laughs) dadaist literature (laughs) um let's see i think this should be the last one yeah, we're kind um, of yeah, um, and it's just on limited series slash short TV shows. Like what? Like recommendations? Um, just everything about them. So there's just like, I guess, a growing trend where, like, the best shows that come out are like, they seem like more like movies that are just split up into episodes. Um, and that's like a big debate, I guess, is what is considered a movie. And it's really interesting because on Letterboxd, 
it's like just for movies there aren't tv shows on it but yet there are some tv shows and a lot of these like limited series are on there and i think it's just interesting um so i guess kind of thoughts on it and like some of your favorites um i really like the structure of a limited series i think um i don't know i think it it like, I guess you could compare it to a movie in terms of the amount of time it takes you to watch, but I think, like, the structure of, like, 15, 30-minute, like, bursts of episodes just, like, adds something kind of unique to it that I appreciate. Like, I like how it's split into little, like, mini chapters that way. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I really like the structure of a miniseries. No complaints from me. Gotcha. Yeah, I would agree. And I think, you know, I, I say a lot that I don't really watch TV shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only TV shows I do watch are ones like this, where there's like a start point and an end point. <laughs> I know it's like a complete story. Yeah. Um, and then also just like sitcoms that I can have on in like the background. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's kind of how I'm feeling about it. I think it should count. And this is like, I think the the biggest thing of like the reason why this is a debate isn't as much of like the running time as much as like the resources that go into it and the quality of it um and it's it's like kind of like a hot button topic right now because just compared to like tv versus movie acting in the past or like movie making and like tv in the past yeah. Is that like actors, you would either be like a TV actor or a film actor. Yeah. Um, and a big thing right now is that there's so much crossover that you're not really one or the other anymore. Yeah, that's um, really true. And like premium shows have the budgets of like movies um, and can like really compete like quality wise. And I think kind of this whole quarantine and closing down of theaters has pushed it a lot more in that direction. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as like, you know, if you're watching whatever you're watching from your home, from your couch anyway, it's like, there really isn't much difference. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Yeah, so I mean, I've watched a few, like those are the only things that I'll binge on like the only TV shows I've ever binged have been like Maniac, which is a limited series starring Emma Stone and Jonah Hill that I thought was incredibly good. It's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, that The guy who directed that is doing the next James Bond movie too, actually. Oh, so I'm excited cool. to, yeah, I'm excited about that one. My uh, favorite limited series, I would say, is Fleabag. Yeah. Which is... Yeah, I've I've heard of that actually, but I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, Waller Bridge. She is so great. Um, it's two seasons, and each season is about like two hours long in total. So I watched it over the course of two days. Okay. <laughs> First season one day, and then the second season the next day, and they just fit together so well. They fit together like a movie and the movie's sequel. Um, and it just just like the amount of transformation that the main character Fleabag goes through within these two series um is just like it's just very powerful i would really recommend it and it's so funny i like fleabag a lot gotcha yeah um and then the only the other show that i the only other tv show that i binged was twin peaks season three nice which is basically um 
in Twin Peaks, the original show, there's like something um like the last episode or at some point when you watch it you'll understand <laughs> but uh there's like something about come find me or like i'll see you in 25 years or something mm-hmm. so david lynch the madman that he is um made a third season 25 years later <laughs> that's awesome that is so fun um, and i say limited series but it's 18 episodes long but it was kind of marketed as that and it's really because david lynch has this thing nowadays where he said i'm not making any more movies because the indie like the art house cinema is dead and Mm -hmm. uh and also and also the only way i'll be able to make a story that i want to tell it has to be as long as a tv show (laughs) so like there's it's just what you I really like Twin Peaks season three because it's like anything, everything that you would expect from a David Lynch movie just stretched in mm-hmm. TV show and like you never know what's going to come around the corner and what's going to be because he does all this stuff about he just like spends a whole lot of time on something and then like never addresses it again, but it like just adds a vibe and everything. Yeah. And there's so much of that and Twin Peaks season three was just so engaging and I don't know. That's awesome. That reminds me of my favorite movie. Wet Hot American Summer. <laughs> they also put out a limited series a couple, just a couple of years ago. Um, it was the same cast of Wet Hot American Summer. The movie, as you know now, takes place on the last of day of camp. So this one season of TV show that they made takes place on the first day of camp, which is very funny to me because it was made like 20 years after the movie. So, so they're all old. The cast old yeah (laughs) to be before the movie takes place and it's just very very goofy and funny and it just ties together so much stuff that happened within the movie and i loved it it was super fun that's fun yeah i might check that out i was kind of mad because that was on netflix but the movie itself wasn't like yeah i know so who knows with all this licensing stuff Mm -hmm. um so yeah, that's the Q&A episode. I love doing Q&As. Always They're good. so fun. <laughs> cool. Oh, also, I meant to mention this last week, and I didn't, but uh, Criterion just announced a Fellini box set. What? Are you going to get it? I'm going to get it. It's, it's $200, so I'm saving oh, now. Cool. Send Here me a is. picture when it comes. I can't wait to see it. Okay, yeah, it probably won't be for a while, but because it doesn't come out until like November, the end of November, they announced it now, so I'm gonna start saving up now. But I'm so excited about it because yeah, that's awesome. It'll fill in a lot of the gaps that I haven't seen of his stuff, and nice. It will be so cool to have. Yeah, for real. Um, yeah. Okay, so before we go, do you have an album to recommend? Yeah, the album that I want to recommend this week is by one of my favorite bands. I've already recommended an album. Before by them before on the pod um it's the growlers nice before i recommended my favorite album by of by them which is hung at heart this week i want to recommend city club which is i think they're most popular they're most well known um i just feel like it's such a good like summer to fall transition album and Mm. i've been listening to it like nonstop this week because of that it just it has this like beach goth kind of vibe to it where it's like yeah it just feels like the perfect end of summer things are getting dark again (laughs) that's a great way to put it actually (laughs) i hadn't thought about it like like that but it's definitely true Mm -hmm. 
I think that's album that album was when the growlers got famous like yeah became like a really and it's like deserved like it's an excellent album for sure yeah I'm gonna in relation to the daily there's some stuff that I want to play on that kind of same theme okay um you'll see when it comes out but uh I'm very excited about that right now we'll see if it turns out good or not um my album is by a band called Interpol Nice. Who's one of my favorites, um, and it's their first album ever called "Turn On the Bright Lights." Um, and this album is like, I've been listening to it a lot, even though it's more of like a fall into winter album, I would say. But uh, this might be like a near perfect album, I think. Just, nice. I think this is one to listen to in order for sure. Okay. Like you won't get as much out of it unless you kind of just listen through it. Uh huh. Um, but it's so good. It just, it, it flows so well. And it's this, the, it, the Interpol, I compare to the Strokes a lot, just yeah. because their first two albums, I feel like exactly the same way about, like, I really love them both a lot. The second one I think is more underrated, but both of their first albums are just so good that they're probably still the band's best album. Um, if yes. that makes any sense. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I'm excited to check that one out. Yep, yep, yep. I yeah, uh, and I saw them at Red Rocks last summer. So oh God, I that miss was Red awesome. Rocks. I miss going to concerts so much. I know. <sighs> it's tough. Play. It's yeah. tough. Sad days. Um, all right, so I think that's about it for us for this week. Tune Yay. in next week for our August wrap up gonna be a great one yeah i'm excited about it all right and i'm gonna try to watch a couple more things this week me too um so yeah and it, it won't be the april wrap-up like i said last episode <laughs> <laughs> you can catch that i didn't catch it until the edit i was like wait a second time is a construct <laughs> never yeah especially because we already did it's just a rerun of our April wrap-up episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, tune in next week. That should be tons of fun. And yeah. uh, thanks for listening. Bye. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye now. <laughs>